Gospels. Philippians chapter number 1, just going to read one verse, verse number 27. Paul writing here to the church of Philippi. He said, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There are four things that Paul said in the latter part of that verse. He said, you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want to preach to the Lord to help us tonight on a united church. A united church. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture. For its spirit is truth and it is life. His bread to our soul. God, we pray that you would help us now, oh God, as we endeavor to preach your word, that your spirit would anoint us and help us and empower us, oh God, to preach what you've thus laid upon our hearts. God, anoint us to hear and to respond. Would you deal with us, oh God, and stir our hearts to draw closer together as we draw closer to you. And Father, we'll forever love you and give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do. And the church says, Amen. And Amen. I may teach, preach uh, tonight more than uh, I, I may do normally. And uh, I've just got a couple of points just to share with you. Amen. But uh, I feel that just as important as last Wednesday night was for the church, I believe that this message uh, a church being a united front and a church being one, one mind and one accord. That, that's just as important as anything that the church can be. You know as well as I do that there are sadly so many divisions and isms and schisms in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about Bible way uh, singularly. I'm talking about in plurality in the church world. It's hard. Uh, Brother Joey had just mentioned uh, churches not having church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. And uh, churches that, uh, if if you want to get down, uh, that's looking at it from the macro view. If you want to look at it from the micro view and getting down to the weeds, doctrinally, how one church with the same name over the door can be so different in doctrine and what they believe. We're we're all supposed to be uh, adhering to the Word of God as the assembly of God. We have 16 fundamental truths that that govern us all. And uh, some of those times, the only time uh, uh, of a year that the 16 fundamental truths are even thought about are the one times where the pastors are lying, signing a card that they still adhere to the doctrine or to uh, the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. There's so much division in the kingdom of God. And I know that two can't walk together lest they be agreed. I know that a house divided against itself, it cannot stand. But as Paul is writing to the church of Philippi here in Philippians 1, he gave four specific things. He gave commands that the church should be. The first thing that he said that the church should do is that you should hold fast. You should stand fast. Yeah, in uh, in defense and in in uh, in the faith of the gospel, as he's writing uh, also to the church of Corinth in Corinthians sixteen and three, he said, "Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong." In Ephesians chapter number six, he said, "Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Standing is a, uh, the, the visual image that is represented. It's a position of strength. It's a position of authority. It's a, it's a, a position of, of uh, while many are caving in and, and falling down and compromising. Paul said the church is to stand. Amen. To not wither under pressure, to not fall down because of the weight uh, of the burden of this world, but to stand. To stand fast, he said uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, stand fast in the faith. So he, he's telling the church, admonishing the church to stand. Listen, folks, in this hour, we must stand. We must stand. There are numerous encounters and numerous ways of compromise that we can point to and we can point to people who one time stood and is leaving the faith. And that's one of the saddest things for me to witness is one time somebody who burned with the power of God and fell into sin and they've fallen away and they've fallen flat on their face. That breaks my heart to see I saw one. Uh, last night, a man of God who one time preached all over the country in uh, the independent holiness ranks and was a, a just a, a fireball. God moved miracles that uh, God was uh, working through this man. Uh, one of the greatest preachers that you would just sit and listen to a message and your uh, mouth would drop. I remember at a young age, six or seven, uh, he came into our area. We went to hear him preach. I just wept and cried the presence of the Lord. That, that I feel anointed by God. The man has uh, left his wife, his home's busted up into alcohol today, shacking with a woman that's not even his wife. And, and I see that. I see what compromise has done. A little leaven, Brother Daniel, began to, to spoil the whole loaf. Uh, just a little sin creeped in, and then it was a mountain. Uh, and then it couldn't be hidden anymore, and this whole family... Is busted up. There, there are many cases just like that that we can point to. What Paul is saying is don't wither. Don't compromise. Don't fade. Don't fall under the pressure, but stand. Stand therefore. He said in our text that I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast. Hold on to what you've been given. Don't lose ground. The, the, the analogy that, that's given. In Ephesians chapter number 6, as Paul is saying to arm yourself for the, the armor of God, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. He, it's a soldier in a warfare. And he's telling uh, this soldier as he's fighting, whatever you do, don't turn around and go back. Whatever you do, don't quit the battle. Whatever you do, stand fast. Sometimes uh, in your walk with God, when you can't go forward, uh, and it seems like all of hell is standing in front of you, uh, what am I to do, preacher? You're to stand. Uh, you're to stand. Don't turn around. Uh, don't go back. Don't give any place. Don't give any room to the devil. Don't retreat. Uh, one inch of the ground that you've gained in God. Uh, there's going to be times uh, where you face that exact same situation that I'm preaching about to you tonight. Uh, and it seems like you can't 
can't advance and go forward. Uh, amen. What am I to do in those seasons of times? I've been there uh, many times to where it seems the heavens uh, are brass and all of hell is surrounded. What is the answer? Uh, in those times, Paul gives it to us. Uh, stand. Just stand where you are. Don't retreat. Don't turn around. Don't you give up any ground that you've gained in your walk with Christ. Sometimes, church, it does all we can do to just stand. But Paul said, that's all right. Having done all, when you've expanded all efforts, when you have nothing left to give, and you've given all of your effort, just stand. Because it's in those times that you're standing. Sooner or later, God's going to come down by the Holy Ghost. And He's going to fight that battle for you. And, and if I, I would want uh, God by His Spirit to come down and me to have retreated one inch. Uh, amen. But we are called as Christians to move forward. So He's writing to the church. Stand fast. Hell is going to fight you. Hell is going to rage. But stand fast in the faith. Then He said, not only are you to stand fast, but He said you're to be in one mind. You're to be in one mind. That word mind there in the, the Greek is interchangeable. That word mind also is the word heart. It's the center point of one's emotions. It's the, 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 the internal compass of a man or a woman. The, the mind being the, the central point of that human being. Paul said, you're to stand, but you're to stand united. You're to literally stand as one. Amen. No division, no isms, no schisms, no uh, faults in the foundation, but to stand united, arm in arm with your brother and your sister in Christ. To stand, to be in one mind, to be in one spirit. Amen. There's one spirit that should govern the church. And that's the Holy Ghost. One Spirit. There are thousands, millions of spirits in this dominion called the earth. Many demonic spirits, many dark spirits, many wicked, evil, foul spirits. Amen. And if and there is going to be a spirit governing your life, while we are physical beings, we have a spirit. That spirit is going to control you. You're governed by some spirit. You're either governed by a spirit of hell. You're governed by a spirit of flesh. A spirit of self. A spirit of carnality. A wicked spirit. Or you're going to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul is saying, stand fast in one mind, in one heart, governed by the Holy Ghost. And lastly, he said, Striving together. That word means contending together. It literally means wrestling together. For you see, I've already quoted to you the scripture. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against each other. But we do wrestle against principalities. Against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. So Paul is, is saying... Striving together, wrestling together, not against one another, but for and with one another. Fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold on to life. 
eternal. Listen, I've already said this life, this Christian life is a warfare. Amen. This, this Christian life, it's not just a, a walking down the yellow brick road, I'm on my way to heaven shouting glory. Amen. As much as I wish that was the case. Amen. That's not the case. If you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to fight for heaven. Every day of your life, every waning moment of your life is a spiritual battle. Hell's fighting. Hell's raging. Amen. You're in your family, in your, in your home. Amen. You're going to have to fight for that family. You're going to have to lay hold and get a hold of God. Amen. And tell hell, you're not getting my family. You're not busting up my home. I'm here to fight. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you better believe we wrestle against forces of hell. And he's talking and admonishing to the church at Philippi. Fight together. Wrestle together. There's strength in numbers. There's power in unity. As you're fighting, don't fight against one another but fight with and for one another. That's one of the things that puzzles me in the church. Speaking in general terms here, it's sad to say, but it's a reality. If somebody finds a little bit of dirt on somebody, instead of going to that person and helping that person, the first thing we do is pick up the phone and call somebody else. I'm not talking about Bible way, but I've had enough experiences in the church to where I've seen it all happen all too often. The, the people that we're supposed to be our brothers and sisters in Christ with, if you'd listen to a lot of the conversations about them, you'd think they're they're, they're sworn enemy. I mean, because if, if my brother or sister's down, I'm going to do everything that I can to help and restore them. And build them back up. That's what we're called to do in the faith. Not kick them. Why would, listen, the world's got enough of that. that. That's what happens in the world. That's what happens in the world's economy. That's not supposed to be what happens in the kingdom of God. Listen, we're called to a higher standard. We're called to be more and to do more. And to love one another. The, the, we talked about it last Wednesday night. The church of Philadelphia was the only church not admonished out of those six uh, churches in the book of Revelation to repent. Why was that? Uh, because love abounded in that church. They had a love of God. And when you love God, you're going to love each other. When things are right between you and God, things are going to be right between you and your fellow man. And if they're not right, the Spirit of God is going to prick your heart to make them right. I was telling a preacher, I preached my Copeland Assembly's homecoming. That was my home church where I was born and raised. Went there 21 years till we moved here. Was able to go back and preach the homecoming. There was um, an individual there that I was talking to. My pastor, when I was a teenager, I was lost and rebellious and it breaks my heart to say this. I hated that man. I, I, I despised him. Because he was standing up preaching truth, and I hated truth. I loved my sin. I was living in rebellion. So I hated everything he stood for. I hated everything that he preached. And I didn't make any bones about it. I mean, I was doing what lost people do. I didn't want to repent. I didn't want to go to, uh, to church, even though my mama drugged me there every service. There, hated that man. He resigned the church, left, fell on hard times. 
I got born again about three, four months after he left the church. A new pastor was there, and God, God helped me in, in, in the infancy of my Christian walk and existence. The first thing that God ever led me to do when I was born again was that was an I've told the story about how God there was a mission service there at that youth camp. An offering plate came around for speed to light. Had a $20 bill in my pocket. That's all I had. God laid on my heart. Give that $20 to missions. I did. And Brother Ray, a love for missions has been birthed in my heart ever since. Amen. The first thing God ever told me to do. Months went on to where, you know, I was dealing with some things in my life. But the second thing that I can remember God told me to do. We were at a big youth service at Brother Kenny Morris's church in Ellisville, Mississippi. And I, I was there, I was praying, I was seeking God for more of you, weeping, crying, folks shouting, running, jumping, hanging from the chandeliers. Powerful service. The service was winding down. And I looked over there in the corner of the church, beside the altar. There was my former pastor, the man I one time hated, the man that I despised. God pricked my heart said, you go up to him. You go wrap your arms around him and you apologize for the way you treated him. I'm a young Christian. Lord, is this you? This service is about over. There's a thousand people here. I, I, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Is this you, Lord? Is this you? The devil's never going to tell you to do anything that's going to rekindle a relationship in the Lord. The devil's never going to tell you to do anything that's going to advance your position in Christ. I knew it was God. I knew what I had to do. I went up to him. I called him by, my, by his name and I wrapped my arms around him. Tears was streaming down my face. He was shocked. It was looked like looking at a ghost. His face turned white. Eyes as big around as saucers. He remembered me for what I was. I called his name. I said, I want to tell you something. I'm sorry for the way that I treated you. I was wrong. I was lost. I was rebellious. But I got born again. And I want to let you know I love you. And I want to let you know thank you. I thank you. I appreciate you for preaching truth to me even when I didn't want to hear it. Those messages when you were up there preaching, folks, more folks were leaving the church than was coming in. I didn't even want to hear truth. But the seeds of the gospel were being lodged in my heart. And here I am now, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. God's dealing with my heart to preach. I want to let you know that I love you. Brotherly love. Amen. When you're born again, you get things right with God. God's going to lead you to get things right with your fellow man. Amen. If there are things that aren't right, He's going to lead you to fix them. And repent. that was what the church of Philadelphia was known for. Brotherly love. I mean, I, I want you to look as you see, examine the church. I've, I've preached out more this year than probably I ever have as far as just service after service, God's, God's opening doors. Can I just be honest and transparent with you? There are very few churches that I go in that I can honestly say I feel the love of God. The love of God radiating from that church. That's not the way that it should be, folks. 
That's not the way, amen, as we walk with God, as we are God's people. This is how you know you're born again. If you have love one for another, not spite, not jealousy, not envy, not greed, but if you love one another. Listen, if a lost person is going to come in the church and they don't feel the love of God, they're not going to want to come back. If they come in and they can't feel the, the, the presence of God, if they can't feel the love of God in the church, uh, they're not going to want what we have. Uh, amen. But when we as the church are out with God, uh, we're, there's going to be a genuine love in our heart for, our, for, for one another, for the neighbor sitting beside us on the pew, uh, and for the sinner that walks in the door. They may not look uh, like we want them to look. They may not smell like we want them to smell. Uh, but we're going to look past all of that, uh, and we're going to love that soul. Uh, we may despise the sin that they find themselves in. They may be the dirty, rottenest sinner uh, filled with the dirty, rottenest uh, foul spirit of hell. Uh, amen. But we're still going to love that soul. Uh, we're going to wrap our arms around them and tell them, we love you. Uh, and God does too. That's uh, what the church is called to be. Uh, let the love of God uh, abound always in your heart. Standing together, united in one mind with one spirit, striving together, loving each other, being there for each other. It's sad. In ministry, a lot of times, the, the, the one group of people that is a preacher, you would like to be able to call and, and just pour out your heart to and talk to would be a fellow minister and a fellow preacher. But sadly, if you want to commit spiritual suicide, call a pastor and pour out your heart to him. I'm not talking about you talking to Brother Eddie. I'm talking about talking to a fellow pastor. Because pastors talk. And sadly and wrongfully, there's competition. And as soon as they think they've got something on you, it spreads like wildfire. Brother, I'm calling you. to. I poured my heart out to you to talk to you, to get you to pray for me. You spread it out all over the world. God, help us. God, help us. Pray for one another, not talk about one another. Unity in the church, being one mind and one spirit, striving together. A perfect church, a perfect picture of what the church must be. We've preached about this portion of Scripture many times, but in Acts 1, 13 and 14, and when they were come in, they received the, the command from Christ to, to, to tarry in the city of Jerusalem to be do with power from on high. He told them in Acts verse 1, verse 8, uh, you sh will receive uh, the Holy Ghost. You'll be witnesses unto me and uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They received the promise. They had to pray and tarry and wait for the promise. But in Acts 13, they were come in. They went into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord. One accord. They were united. The Holy Ghost is never going to fall on a divided church. These all continued with one accord. One accord, united. One accord in prayer, supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. As we look back 
on this fire-baptized church. If they are our pattern, they are our mold, they should be what we pattern ourselves after. To get what they've got, we've got to do what they did. To, to, to receive what they received, we've got to be as they were. And there were three things that these apostles, these disciples, these New Testament believers were united in, preaching about a united church. They were united constantly in one accord. That word in the Greek, accord, is an interesting word. It helps us understand this word picture in the Greek. But it's the word homeothematon. And it's two compound words, which means to rush along, to be in unison. The picture that it's portraying literally is a conductor conducting an orchestra. As he's there, as he has the baton in his hand, as he's directing that orchestra, you've got a tuba, you've got a trumpet, you've got a clarinet, you've got drums, you've got a flute. You've got a violin. You've got all of these instruments. While they all have different sounds, they all have different pieces, they all have different parts, they all work together in harmony. They all work together as one. They all, while they have different characteristics, they have different parts, they have different functions, the master conductor conducts them as one. They're all on the same beat. They're all on the same key. They're all working together to accomplish one goal. A perfect picture of what the church must be. As God conducts by His Spirit, as it leads, as He calls the shots, as He directs us, we should rush along, we should walk, we should move. How should we do it? In unity. Working together as one. Listen, we all... Just like that orchestra, we all have different gifts. We all have different callings. Some can sing, some can teach, some preach. Some witness, some evangelize, some hold tent meetings, some go and do outreach, some pray. Dear God, the most important thing, pray, fast, seek the face of God, some clean. All of us have different functions, have different responsibilities, but we're all led by the same Spirit. We all work to complete the same task. Amen. Or so it should be in God's perfect economy, working together in a spirit of unity. Not divided, but working together as one. Amen. This New Testament church, they were united. You and I, as a church, I thank God for my church. I've got, I'm a part, a small part, of a great body. I, I thank God for it. As Brother Joey said, if you don't miss Bible Way, just leave Bible Way. Go for a, go a week and try to find somewhere else and come back. You'll be saying, like me and Brother Eddie say all the time, thank God for Bible Way. Amen. Because of the, the presence of God that you feel for the love that we have one to another. Man, I'm not here throwing stones at us. Amen. But I can tell you in this hour, we must be more united. As hell fights stronger than it's ever fighting. Fighting As hell is coming against us more. It's shaking everything that can be shaken. It's either going to do one or two things to the church. You hear me? 
It's either going to draw us closer together or it's going to find a fault line and push us further apart. Things that one time didn't matter now going to come up. Things that one time we overlooked now, we've got a voice that we got to call. That's how hell operates. Amen. As hell fights us and hell's fighting the church, maybe he's left your house alone. Maybe he's left your family alone, but I can tell you it's been an all-out assault. Amen. And no doubt I've, some of you that I've prayed with you, talked to you, you've shared your heart. He's fighting you too. I mean, we're either going to stand closer together in this late hour and be as one, or he's going to push us further apart. And Jesus himself said it. Abraham Lincoln, the commander-in-chief during the Civil War, echoed it about our great nation. A house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. I want to be united. I want to draw closer to Christ in this late hour. And as we draw closer to Christ, you hear me? Christ is going to pull us closer together. Amen. As we seek His face and seek His will, we're going to fall in love afresh and anew with our fellow believers. God, let us be constantly in a spirit of unity. Secondly, these apostles were united in prayer, praying, seeking the face of God. What were they praying for? They were praying to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They were praying, Lord, you promised us the gift of your Spirit. I've not received it, but God, I want it. God, I've not received the gift. You promised it to me. I want to receive it. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. They prayed for it day after day after day. I don't know how long the prayer meetings went every day. But I know one thing, they didn't get weary and well-doing. They didn't stop, they didn't quit when the answer didn't come the first time. But ten days later, they were praying just as strong and fervently on day ten as they were on day one. There were 500 commentaries, tell us, that received the promise. Amen. That you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 500 received the promise as Jesus was ascended back into heaven. 380 quit. 380 left. But 120 said, I'm not leaving until I'm filled. I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here until the Holy Ghost comes. They were in one accord. They weren't praying for a, a politician. They weren't praying for a bailout, a stimulus, or a new bill. Or, or They couldn't have cared less about the mayoral race of Jerusalem. None of those frivolous things mattered. They were seeking the face of God, saying, Lord... I want the gift of your spirit. 380 turned away, walked away, but 120 tarried, and they were filled. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost fell on a united body, on a united front, on a united group. I can tell you the same as for us today. Amen. The Holy Ghost will fall on a united church. The Holy Ghost will fall on a church that stands united. And the Holy Ghost will fall on a church that's praying. I've, I've said it many times. A prayerless church is going to be a powerless church. But a church that's full of prayer is going to be a church that's full of power. Full of power. They were united together in relationship and fellowship 
They were united together in prayer. The last, according to the Scripture, they were united in supplication. That word supplication means to beg, to beseech, to pray earnestly, to desire. They had one desire in that heart, and that was for the will of God. It wasn't a desire who's going to be the head of the church, who's going to have the position, who's going to be in the positions of authority, who's going to call the shots. There were no big eyes, no little U's. Amen. And as a matter of fact, when the Holy Ghost fell, I love this verse. When the Holy Ghost fell, the first portion of Acts chapter number 2, the Bible says that as they looked on them and said, these men are drunk with wine. They're drunk. They're crazy. They've lost their mind. The Bible says that Peter standing up with the eleven. It didn't say Peter standing up by himself. It didn't say Peter standing up and everybody else followed him. It didn't say Peter was the chief of the party. He stood up in unity with the eleven. Amen. Even after the Holy Ghost fell, they were just as united then as they were in the front, as they were in the beginning. They were united one with another. Peter, the Bible says, standing up with the eleven, said, you men of Jerusalem, hear me. These men are not drunk with new wine. Seeing it is, but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Peter preached. He had 11 backing him up. I mean, it's easy to preach when you've got somebody backing you up. Amen. He had a group that was there with him. It was united. They had, and it was because they all had one desire, and that was for the will of God to be done in them. In this hour, Kirsten, come help me. I'm done. Many people are desiring many different things. Desiring fame, wealth, money, fortune. What's the one desire of your heart? The Bible says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. He'll give unto you the desire of His heart. He'll give unto you the desire of your heart. If you desire something in your life and it's not happening, the question then is, Does my desire line up with God's desire for me. Does what the, is the thing that I desire, is that the one thing that God desires to give unto me? Delight yourself also, Lord. He'll give unto you the desires of your heart. Amen. I want my one desire to be, Lord, let, your, let the desire that you have for me be accomplished and be fulfilled. Don't let Corey's desire, even in ministry, Lord, Don't let me do the work. Don't, don't, let, don't let me surrender to my own ambitions and goals when you've got something for me. You see, even when it comes to ministry, you've got to crucify yourself. Because there's a lot of people that want to pastor. Think that this is the will of God for me to pastor. God called me to this church. Six months later, they quit and found them another church. Nine months later, they're at another church. This is the will of God. I found the will of God. Three months later, they're evangelizing. <laughs> One preacher that I know in particular, he's a nine-month man. I think he's pastored three churches. All three churches have been for nine months. Went to the Dominican Republic to start a mission down there. You guessed it, nine months. <laughs> they told him that jokingly. He got offended, but it was true. So my question is, 
is does God's will change every nine months? Or did His desire change every nine months? You see, even in ministry, you've got to surrender to the will of God. Lord, if you're calling me to, pass, to be a pastor, I don't want to get caught up in doing a work in another area. No, there's times we do the work of the evangelist. There's times where we do missions trip. But, Lord, don't let that be my, my focus. My, God, let me be what you want me to be. Let me do what you want me to do. Surrender to the will of God. They were united in supplication. Meaning they were united in their earnest desire. When they were united in their desire, God gave them the desire of their heart. Because you see, as much as they wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost, God wanted to give them the Holy Ghost so much more. Hallelujah. United church. Simple tonight. Simple truths. Amen. But as the church, God's calling us to draw closer together. One to another. Pray one for another. Love one another. Be compassionate one to another. Be prayer warriors for each other. Not gossiping and backbiting against each other. But pray for them. Love them. Call them up. I love you. I'm praying for you. Can I do anything for you? Amen. How do we know that you pass from death into life? That you have love one for another. If the world can't find love in the church, where are they going to find it? Let's create an atmosphere of love. Amen. Because we love one another. Father, this is as simple a message as I've ever preached. I can tell you just as much as you were talking to us last Wednesday night. You're talking to us now. We may not be running, jumping, hollering tonight. But God, in this hour... As you draw us closer to yourself, you are going to draw us closer to each other. Let this be the Philadelphia's church. Let this be a church where love abounds and love abides. Let there be a genuine love for you. Let there be a genuine heartfelt love for each other. God, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I love these more than I love even my own physical family. I thank you for them. God, I pray that their burdens would be my burdens. I pray that their cares would be my cares. And God, I pray. I pray, oh God, whether it be raptured by the grave, that every one of us will be together on the other side because we pass from death unto life and your love abounded in our hearts draw us closer unto you let us stand in this wicked evil hour as hell fights on every front give us strength and power to stand let us be in one mind governed by one spirit standing steadfast in the faith God give us strength to stand Give us a spirit of unity and love. Amen. If that's your prayer tonight, I want you to come find us a place to pray around the altar. Amen. I think that it would do us good.
before we leave tonight, I know this is different. Amen. Before you leave this altar, this altar setting, brother, find you a brother and wrap your arms around him and pray for him. Sister, find you a sister. Wrap your arms around him. Hallelujah. Stand in the gap with each other. Pray one for another. Love one another. This is the will of God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my God. My God. My God. My God.